Welcome to Payne on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression necessary to evolution, more true. Hello, this is Gregory Payne, the Chair of Communication Studies, the first communication department in the United States in Boston on a lovely day and also the co-chair of the Emerson Blancarna Global Summit. We're here with Razi, who is a student ambassador, and I have to say that he's incredible. He's got so many talents. Razi, can I tell you how happy I am that you moved from the SOA to the SOC? Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad as well. Good money spent. <laughs> well, I think in addition to being somebody who's what I would say just a renaissance person with regard to what we need, you do a lot of the podcasting, uh, you are really Shepard's right-hand person, but you've also been involved in the Kent State, Jackson State retrospective class. And from your perspective, uh, what did you take away or what have you been taking away from that? I thought the retrospective went really well. Um, I think meeting with someone like John Philo, it really makes what we learned throughout the whole semester like even more important. And I think it, it lands more effectively when you meet someone who's been so close to the event because as I spoke about in my presentation yesterday in class, when you're learning about something, um, just through a class and through reading and through watching video, it's kind of easy to compartmentalize it. And it feels like something that's so far away. It's 53 years away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think something that was so powerful that I spoke about was when we met with Lee Schwabel, when he went to um, Kent right before he visited right. our class. And he kind of talked about how emotional that experience was. And then I went to speak with John Philo. Um, and just talking to someone who is so close to an event like that, it makes it, you realize that it's real. And you realize, oh, he saw Jeff Miller get killed that day. And it just, it makes it such a real event. And it feels like it matters even more than something you'd be studying in any other class. Well, you know, I think with regard to Lee, it was surprising to me because Lee's family have been, uh, have been very, very kind and generous with Kent State. There is a Schwabel lecture series, his father and mother, also have given money for a dining place that's just beautiful in the Union. Uh, and when I heard I, that he hadn't really been back to reflect on the incident, I think it reflected in some ways, many people see Kent as a very vibrant university, which it is, and it certainly recovered well academically. But it was striking to me that he too was emotionally overcome, and he said that this was his time to which he finally sort of come to, came to uh, agree about the tragedy of the day. Razi, yesterday when you did your synopsis of your social media and retrospective piece, you did hit upon the fact that this course really allowed you to connect, whether it's Russ Miller, Jeff's uh, brother, or whether it's John. What was it about his story, because uh, he told us a very vivid story, what was it that resonated best with you? I think it was actually not about the event itself. I think it was about the aftermath. When he talked about coming to Emerson in 1995, when he first met with um, uh, with Marianne Vecchio and other people like Jeff Miller's mother, and this is something that you talk about a lot, is when Jeff Miller's mother met with Marianne and she asked if his son felt any pain. And that to me was like so striking because as you say, this is something that strikes you as well, is that these people had never met before. Never. And I think that's something that I touched upon in my presentation is like the emotion of that day and what it meant to so many people who were close to it. And I think that, again, that's something that you don't get when you just read a book or a story about it. So that was what was really striking to me is how it impacted the people um, 
that were involved? Well, I think one thing that uh, you, as, your, as well as your colleagues, we have colleagues from all over Emerson as well as all over the world, uh, the idea that you're talking to these historical icons who have a particular viewpoint and the fact that you know people are getting older and that it's important to pass that on. One thing I think that I sort of stumbled into, I think when I decided in 1995 that these two have never met and said, okay, well, why don't we try to bring them together? John was reluctant, was nervous about meeting. Mary, who had made some comments that she had sort of been trapped by it, uh, said though that she looked at it as a nice rapprochement. Uh, I think that one thing that I've learned and I think we've talked about in class is that Emerson really prepares you to be kind of a unifier, that you can bring people, bring disparate pieces of a story together. Uh, do you think that that's something you've learned in this class and what do you think you're going to be taking away with it? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things I took from this class was the use of rhetoric and communication and not even the hard skills associated with it, more about the concepts and the power of speech because I think that that's something that you can appreciate at afar, but when you look at it so closely in a case like Kent State, you see just how important that is and how that works with the media and how that can be used in the government. And I think that that was something that I really took away from our class. So Razi, one thing we've done is it, in past classes, I've really just said, okay, this is the most accepted version. You can piece things together. But what we tried to do, and I think the retrospective, we had different poster boards that summarize you know, some extreme views, whether it be the Portage County Grand Jury Report, exonerated the guard, blamed the students, the liberal professors, or the President's Commission, which found that the shootings at both Jackson and Kent to be unwarranted, inexcusable, and unnecessary. What was it about those narratives and the fact that you still have people today, even absent of fact, who continue to hang on to those? I mean, it, are we, would you say we're more divided today than we were then? And what do you think is a pathway forward for your generation? I think it's very possible that we're just as divided as we were then. I think people like to put these labels on time periods that it was the most divided time in history. And it may well have been, but I, I think it's hard to say because it's just a matter of scale. And it's, it's really hard to tell where the country is compared to where it was in terms of how people are feeling and how divided that feeling is. Um, but what I really took from, from that whole thing with Kent particularly was, as I said earlier, kind of how the media and rhetoric is so important. Um, and I think that that's something that we see today. I think the way in which Kent, the opinions of Kent were divided, I think is very similar to how uh, people are divided today. I think people are, the, you know, you're a Fox News guy or you're a CNN guy. And I think that people are simply going to different mediums to get their information and these companies, because they are, you know, for profit, they're giving what their viewers want to hear. And so you've got these two different narratives, these two different rec uh, rhetorical mediums that are giving entirely different stories. And I think that that's why people are divided is because the media are not really working the way that they should be. And uh, it's really unfortunate, but I think that that's the reality of the situation today. Okay, well, I think that that's, uh, that's, that's a very, very good analysis. One thing I would say to you is you work in the office here at, uh, at Emerson on the eighth floor. Uh, it is a, it's a, a good team, whether we're looking at hosting something like the retrospective. You did go, of course, to Barcelona, and I know this is not the topic of that, but how important is it to, to you, do you think, for students today to have immersive experiences like the retrospective or to really participate and understand different cultural competencies like Catalonia and Barcelona. 
Is this something that you think should be a vital component of an Emerson education? Absolutely. I mean, that's something that we always say is like the hallmark of an Emerson education is you're actually going out and doing real tangible things. I think a lot of students, maybe when they come out of college, they've only taken classes and they've learned concepts and skills, but they've not been able to actually apply them in a real world scenario. And I think whether it is putting on the, the um, retrospective for Kent State or setting up any of the other events that I've worked on um, at Emerson, I think it's giving you real life skills that companies are looking for people who are new in the job market to have. And I think it's, it's essential to what we do at Emerson. Well, I think in closing, what I would say is, uh, if you remember a number of year, a number of weeks ago, it seems like years uh, and months ago, we were not planning a retrospective in Emerson. We were planning a huge event at the Watergate Hotel with Bob Woodward, and I think it is very clear to say that we sort of all put it together. You know, Shepard was amazing. Uh, you also had Spencer, who was of course financially helping out along with the center. From your perspective, where you were really doing what I would call professional work to put together. One of the the most successful event that Emerson's done in, in uh, D.C. with the British Consulate, also reception. What was that like, and what do you think you took away? What would be the message for students coming to work at Emerson in these types of capacities? I mean, I think the biggest thing for me from that was just realizing how much there is to do with an event like that. Yes. I mean, I think in the months before, I must have sent at least a 1,000 emails just doing outreach. Yes. And that was only a portion of the things. I mean, we had like seven, eight, nine people working on that event, and I was doing only a portion of that, and still I was so busy. So I think the biggest thing I got from that whole thing was how much it takes to put on an event like that, and um, I thought it went really well given all the work that we did, and I thought it really paid off. Well, what I would say for the, for the, uh, uh, the Watergate event, it was the, one of the best events that I've ever been involved in, thanks to people like you. For the retrospective, I think, as we said with the other students that we just interviewed, it really has helped advance Marianne Vecchio's idea of lanterns being passed to the next generation. So I thank you, Rosie, for all that you did on that. Wish you well, and of course you're going to be back next year. Who knows what we'll be doing, but I know we'll be better because of Rosie being part of it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Take care of Paint on Politics as we get near May 4th. Uh, and remember, reflect, and also pass those generations of knowledge on to next, the next group. Uh, and remember again, all of our colleagues who lost their lives at Jackson State. Take care, paint on politics in Boston.